0: All right, welcome to the Disability Law Show, heading off into your weekend with some knowledge. Here's how it works. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that's very important, key information when it comes to dealing with disability law insurers, whether it's appeals, whether it's uh, denials, it never ends. I know uh, Savan gets hundreds of emails every week. We try to get through as many as we can over the course of this half hour, but you can always reach out on your own to Savan and his team, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca, and the website pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca, which we're going to touch on here momentarily. But uh, John School's here, and, of course, Savan Tamarkin right there from Sanfiru Tamarkin, making you uh, that much smarter. Okay, pal, we got, like I said, emails are piling up. I'm sifting through them, but we always start off with uh, something you've been working on on the week that was, what do you got going on?
1: Hey John, good to be here with you and with our Amen. listeners.
0: Listen, winter's coming. You know,
1: I keep saying that, I hate saying that, but it is. <laughs> and the reality is we have this crazy weather change, right? We have the rains and the snow coming. Uh we've had some snow already. We have temperatures going up and down, creating the perfect conditions for accidents, accidents upon accidents upon accidents. And that's what we're seeing. Because you know, every time the, the seasons change. Every year, without exception, people get out there without winter tires, they get out there not realizing that there's these changes, thinking they can get to their, you know, whatever place they're going to, you know, really, really quick when really they should be taking time and slowing down. And so we get into these accidents. And so I want to talk about that because we do talk about accidents, you know, but one of the things, one of the most common questions I get when I speak with people who have accidents you know, is really what can I do? Because the thing is we we give this information every week here on the radio. It's on our website. We do these shows. We've done them for years, John. But when you're in an accident, you know, everything goes out the window. You simply forget everything, right? Especially if it's a terrible accident, it's a big accident, or if you have a loved one with you and you don't know what to do because they're injured. So I tell people, look, really you only have to remember a few things when it comes to the legalities and you know all things legal and compensation, injuries and things like that when it comes to a car accident. And, and by the way, same thing applies to other types of accidents and injuries, slip and falls, uh, if you're injured uh, on, on a bicycle or a motorbike, whatever the injury is, there are a few things you really have to keep in mind. Number one, forget about the legalities uh, when this thing happens, when the accident happens. And, and I know you know what I'm saying here, in a way it doesn't make any sense but what i mean is if you're injured or if a loved one is injured the first thing you have to worry about obviously is getting medical help calling 911 calling whoever you need to call to make sure that you have the right people come uh, and, and help you out and i say this because as much as you and i John sometimes tell people actually all, to, all the time tell people you know document take pictures take videos i don't want people to think that that is more important than obviously getting the right medical help the right that you know the, the 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 emergency help that's required you know, don't, don't just stand by if you're watching an accident and just document it as opposed to going in and trying to help or calling for help. So the number one thing is you have to make sure you take care of the situation at hand uh, and really focus on whatever it is that you need to focus on from a medical standpoint. And I say this also in the context of let's say you have an accident. Let's say it's a rent collision. Uh, you know, you've been hit from the back. And, and maybe the, the ambulance and police came and, you know, you are feeling sort of okay and you're thinking I'm just going to go home. No, go get checked out. Go to the uh, either the hospital or your, the clinic, uh, your family doctor, whoever it is you need to go to, make sure you get checked out. And by the way, there are two reasons for that. Number one, mm-hmm. the main one is you want to get checked out because sometimes there is damage. There are injuries that happen to you, to your body. You're just full of adrenaline, so you don't that's know right. really that you're injured. But you know, if you wait and you don't get the treatments you need or the diagnosis that's required, you may be in a situation where you're prolonging whatever the damage is because you're not getting the treatment you know, the injury is not diagnosed. I I, I oftentimes compare it to, you know, when I had an accident uh, a few years back and I thought nothing of it because the car looked fine and then I started having problems a few days down the road and I took it to the mechanic and they opened it up and they said, well, wait a second, you have some damage under the hood. Same kind of thing here that happens with people, okay? You may not feel the injury right there and then, but then in the hours after, in the days after, You're feeling nauseous, you're feeling strange, you're feeling pains, you're feeling aches, things you didn't feel necessarily at the time of the accident. So always get checked out right after the accident. There is a legal reason for that as well, though. Yes. And the reason is because if you don't get checked out as soon as possible, if you, for example, wait for a week or even a month, I can tell you that if down the road you develop aches and pains, whatever injuries occur to you, and you make a claim for compensation, could be a very large claim for compensation, The insurance company on the other side is going to be asking for all of your medical records. And when they look at those medical records, they're going to see that you delayed going to a doctor, to a hospital, to a clinic by a few days, by a week, by a month. And they're going to say, well, clearly the injury wasn't that significant because you took your time going and getting medical help. So there is the legal aspect of it. There's the optics. Okay, but let's bypass all of this, John. Something else I want to tell people. A lot of people end up waiting too long before they reach to my office before they call me to understand their legal rights. What they do is they try to navigate the system by themselves or they go to a friend of a friend who maybe is a lawyer but doesn't have any specialty or expertise in injury law, in car accident law, uh, in, in what's called the Occupier's Liability Act if you fell, if you slipped and fell. And the reason why this is a mistake, a big mistake that I see quite often is because there are things that need to be done early on In a car accident situation, such as filling out certain forms, providing those once they're correctly filled out to your insurance company in order to get accident benefits, like income replacement benefits if you can't work, non-earning benefits, maybe you need medical and rehabilitation, you need physio, you need massage. There's a whole bunch of benefits you are potentially entitled to as a victim of the accident. And when I say victim, it could be that it was a single car collision. It could be that you were... Uh, There was nobody else involved. Or it could be that you were at fault for the accident. If you're injured in a car accident, you are still entitled to accident benefits. It's called no-fault benefits, okay? It doesn't matter who's at fault. And John, the other thing that we talk about you and I quite often uh, is the tort, right? If you were injured as a result of someone else's negligence, in other words, let's say you were a passenger in a vehicle, or let's say you were in the vehicle as a driver but someone else hit your car, you were rear-ended or you were sideswiped, or somebody else did something that injured you that caused the accident, that other driver, the owner or the driver of that other vehicle, their insurance company may have to pay you significant money for your injuries depending on the extent of your injury, depending on the limitations you now have, depending on the impairments you now suffered. But a lot depends, again, on the kind of treatments you get along the way on the severity of your injuries, on how much it affects you in terms of doing things around the home, uh, living your life as you did before the accident. Maybe you now can't do certain things. Maybe now you need help around the home. There's an extra expense. Maybe you now need all these treatments, which some of which is not covered by your benefits. Uh, maybe you now have an inability to complete, I don't know, a college degree or university degree that otherwise you could or some kind of a program where you were banking on that, right, to get into a certain profession, and now because of the accident, that's uh, changed, your life's altered. All these things are compensable. In other words, you can get compensation under the law. And and we're talking generalities because there's so many different permutations, which is why I'm saying to people, you need to get legal advice immediately about the money that is owed to you after you're injured in an accident, Slip and fall, car accident, motorcycle accident, any kind of accident, dog bites. I had a person call me this week about a severe dog bite. You know, most people don't know that when you are uh, bitten by by a dog, we have in Ontario what's called the Dog Liability Act, which means that whoever's responsible for the dog, whoever owns the dog, is automatically presumed liable, responsible for the fact that their dog injured someone, bit someone. And and that means that the house insurance, the home insurance of that owner is now going to respond to a claim like this. Again, you were bitten severely by a dog, major issues now with this bite. Uh, Well, guess what? The person who owned the dog, their insurance company, their home insurer, may have to pay you compensation. How much? It's a case-by-case analysis. And and so this is what we do, John. We talk to people all the time, myself, the rest of my team. I know I've been talking a lot here, but I'm trying to provide a recap Because of this bad weather, because of where we are now in the year, I am seeing obviously an uptick, a big increase in people calling me, rightly so, to get information about uh, the, the benefits that they're entitled to and the compensation that they deserve under the law.
0: Well, I think, I think it's good that you're calling, but I think, you know, going back to, you know, reaching out right away, whether going to emerge or calling the insurance company, I think you still and people still suffer from that, uh, you know, whole, you know, the guy stiff upper lip. No, nah, nah, I'm OK. I don't want to be that guy who calls the insurance company or that guy who goes and fills up an emergency room. I think people still suffer for that, which they really shouldn't, because if you're future proofing yourself, like you said, you'll want to take care of that right away because it could come bite you in the rear later on.
1: I really like that phrase, John, that you just said, future proofing. Yeah. future proofing legal proofing that's exactly you're absolutely right because the reality is you simply don't know you do not know what the impact of that accident was on you i have some situations uh, or accidents where you know the car your car was very didn't have much damage but the damage to you, maybe because you were a vulnerable person, uh, it was tremendous. I'll give you a very quick example before we go to break. I had a client years ago, uh, this gentleman who was uh, in his mid-40s, father of two. What happened was it was a very minor accident, uh, but the problem is that he had a very vulnerable knee. He didn't even know, but he had a cyst in his right knee uh, that he wasn't even aware of. Nobody was aware of, and he hit his knee on the dashboard, just tapped it. But the problem is that this tap... Triggered some kind of a train reaction. I don't really understand it medically, but it triggered something. That's what the orthopedic surgeon said. Only to leave him essentially almost disabled. He needed a knee surgery. He needed knee knee replacement. That affected his ability to work. It meant that he would need revision knee surgery in the future. Let's just say that this case was settled north of three hundred thousand dollars in terms of compensation, and that was a minor accident. Now, again, not every accident is the same. Every situation is different. We have to look at everything differently. My point is always get checked out. You never know what's under the hood. You never know what injuries you suffered and what kind of compensation you're looking at.
0: We have lots more to cover here. Your emails as well. We'll take a short break and get back into that. Call Savannah and his team uh, toll-free anytime, 1-855-821-5900. The email we go to every show, help at disabilityrights.ca, and disabilityrights.ca, simply the website, and uh, it'll take you right there. We'll continue with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang in there for a moment. All right, welcome back. Disability Law Show on your Friday evening. Off to the weekend you go, but first, we got more to teach you right here. You'll want to reach out to Savan to any anytime at the firm. Uh, toll-free, of course, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and momentarily we get into your email that is help at disabilityrights.ca pocket disability lawyer pal quickly tell me about it I know you love it
1: Hey, John. It's a great, great uh, online website that we created. Essentially, anybody that has a question or questions about their short-term or long-term disability claims, uh, why they were denied by the insurance companies, is it legal for the insurance company to have asked them to go see one of their doctors? What happens if you have an appeal and the appeal was denied? What do you do with all of that? Let's say you don't want to call us. Let's say you don't want to call any lawyer don't go to Google and just Google the answer because you're probably gonna get an incorrect website, maybe even a US website or a foreign website. Uh, We created the Pocket Disability Lawyer website in order to give you uh, free, uh, precise, and absolutely accurate information about your legal case. Within about 20 to 30 seconds of inputting a few key pieces of information, I'm not talking about anything identifying you, just literally putting in information about your situation, uh, answering a few questions, that website that tool there is going to give you answers about your specific situation and if at that point john the individual that accesses this uh, website wants to get in touch with us again for a more in-depth one-on-one free consultation can definitely do that or you can just exit the website but this pocket I employ- uh, sorry pocket disability lawyer.ca this website uh, i'm telling you it's been used a ton across the country People love it. People comment to me how useful it is and, and how amazing it is that it's free, it's accurate, it's anonymous, and it gives them the information they need.
0: Again, Pocket Disability Lawyer. Take it for a spin. It won't cost you anything, and nobody knows you're you ever there. Okay, first email for the show. Let's get uh, let's get on this. Jane says, "Guys, in 2018, I suffered from a severe psychotic episode." and was diagnosed with schizophrenia in the last year i've been pretty depressed about work due to a change of teams the new team is technically more challenging and combined with my cognitive decline from my mental illness made work very stressful i'm not able to focus well and have poor memory and have a hard time retaining new information In August of this year, I started having suicidal thoughts, went to the doc, and was told to take time off work. I'm currently on short-term disability for my depression and have applied for long-term, and I'm still waiting on my psychiatric treatment plan. Will there be a good chance of it getting approved? I'm not sure if I'll be able to return to my job in the future, as I have lots of anxieties with work due to cognitive issues from my illness. What options do I have? i thought about quitting my job and getting an easier, lower-paying job. Oh, hang on there. What do you think?
1: Yeah. So this is an interesting question, James. First of all, I'm very sorry for what you're going through. Uh, very, very difficult. And, and John, you know, the majority of the claims that we see that we handle short term and long term disability are psychological, psychological and psychiatric, especially with COVID and after COVID. Uh, but even before that, those are very, very difficult conditions. And so, Jane, let me break this down for you. You're asking, number one, what are the odds of you getting approved for long-term disability? Well, look, I tell people that as long as you are legitimately unable to do your job, okay, or your occupation, for which, you know, you are not just suited for, but the one that you have right now, uh, and so long as your doctors, whoever those doctors are, family doctors, psychologists, or psychiatrists, I mean, you're waiting for a psychiatric treatment plan. So anyone that's treating you, as long as they agree and they put down on paper that they believe that at this point in time you cannot perform the essential tasks of your occupation, you should be approved for long-term disability. That doesn't mean you're going to be, and it doesn't mean that if the insurance company rejects your application that you have no options. In fact, we deal with a lot of cases where people come to us, they're on STD or, or they're on EI sick benefits, and they simply can't work. And the insurance company says, No, you just haven't met the test for disability under the policy or there's not enough medical documentation or whatever other excuse they give. And then we get involved and we resolve these claims fairly quickly. And we resolve them because the insurance company knows that they can't pull with us what they pull with the majority of people out there, which is to essentially gaslight them into telling them that, no, they're not disabled or they can do something else. So what are your odds? Well, listen, Jane, if you have strong backing from people who are treating you, your odds are higher, in my opinion, than 50%. Is it 60%, 70%? I don't know. But that's not the right question to ask. John, this is important. It's not the right question to ask, will the insurance company approve my LTD claim? The right question to ask, the only question to ask is, should I be approved for LTD? Because whether you will will be approved or not, that's not within your power to decide or mine. It's the insurance company that decides that. But the other question, should you be approved, that is within our, mine, and your uh, uh, control. Why? Because if the insurance company does something they're not supposed to, which is deny your claim, despite the fact that your doctors are saying that you're disabled, well, then we can do something about this. We can use the legal process to force the insurance company to pay you. This is what we do on a daily basis. So I'm not just talking, you know, in in the ether here. I'm telling you exactly how it's done. We force insurance companies to pay what they owe. This is what we do for a living, myself, my team. We have teams, by the way, not just in Ontario, in other provinces. So this is not something that's specific to Jane or anyone else. Insurance companies routinely deny these kinds of claims, John, when they should not. So... Jane, if you are denied that, immediately reach out to me and we can chat about your options because you will have options. Let me deal now with with the other uh, uh, question you have. You said, I've thought about quitting my job and getting right. an easier, lower-paying job. Let me deal with that. So number one, I don't know what kind of job uh, specifically you're talking about, this lower-paying job. I don't know what the difference is between the two jobs necessarily. But the reality is that I, I never tell anyone to just quit their job if they are – disabled, if they're on STD or LTD or, or, you know, on on a disability. And there are two reasons for that. Number one, uh, your job is protected by law. If your employer fires you while you're on disability, that is a violation of your human rights. It's a violation of the human rights code, which means that you will have protections that we can enforce for you against your employer. If you're a unionized employee, your union potentially could actually act for you in in, in that regard. So you don't want to do that because you shouldn't have to quit your job. That's number one. Number two, by quitting your job, you could potentially compromise your LTD claim because you may have provisions in your uh, LTD policy that require you to be actively at work when you are either applying for a job, eh, sorry, when you're applying for LTD or you are on LTD. So, you know, I always tell uh, people, John, don't don't make a move like that uh, before speaking to us. And again, speaking with us is free doesn't cost you anything. Oftentimes, John, we talk to people, we give them advice, and we set them loose. We tell them, look, you know, tell us what happens. If you need extra help down the road, then come to us. We're not gonna charge you a cent for it. We only get involved legally. We only start acting for people once we actually have something to act on, once we have a denial from the insurance company, once the, the workplace, the employer, fires the individual. That's when we actually get into the picture. But before that, we provide people with absolutely free advice on an ongoing Basis. And again, part of it is public service. Part of it is because I think people out there just don't have the money to pay us. You know, it doesn't take much for me to tell you what your rights are. The conversation could end up being a few, a few minutes even. And not only that, with many people, John across the country. I communicate online. I communicate by email. People just email me after the show. They email me throughout the week, not because they even heard the show, but because you know their brother, their sister, their That's colleague, right. someone they know emails me or it tells them to email me. And, and I, I'm more than happy to give you this information. And by the way, that also kind of jars people. <laughs> I've, I've had somebody uh, contact our team. This happened a few weeks ago. I'll, I'll say this on air here. And that person became very, very suspicious and said, I, I don't believe that you guys do this stuff for free. It makes no sense. You're a business. <laughs> yes, we're a business. You're right. But, you know, number one, why wouldn't we be doing this for free if we've been doing this show that gives out this information for essentially a decade already? A I've voice. done it. Other lawyers, in my we've done this for a decade, okay? No one pays us for this. Number one. Number two, there is a business element here. Other than helping people, I also know that people know that we know what we're talking about. So they'll, and people, especially people who've listened to us for a while now and have heard, have heard phone calls, have, have you know gotten the information, have checked us out, went on our website to look at our reviews, just take a look at our Google reviews, and, and people simply believe us. And so, you know, if I speak with you for free, I'm helping you, and at the same time, you will tell other people, I think, I hope, that if they have a problem with their insurance company or with their workplace, you're going to direct them to us. So it's a win-win on all fronts. That's the reason why we are doing this, to help people, but it also helps us. You know, Let's just be upfront about that. So Jane, my advice is this. Do not quit your job. You should be approved for LTD. If you're not, immediately contact me okay? You have my information. I will help you. My team will help you. We're going to make sure that if the insurance company does something that's illegal, they're going to pay for it. A hundred percent, they're going to pay for it. We're not going to let them get away with it. And John, I take a lot of pleasure knowing that we know how to force insurance companies, these billion dollar entities, to pay individuals out there who otherwise would have no options, would have nowhere to go. Some people lose their homes. Some people, you know, they have kids they can't pay for their activities. They can't pay even for, to put food on the table. And these insurance companies are bathing in all the profits that they're making. And it, to me, it's disgusting. And if we can do something about that, use the legal process to force them to pay what they should be paying, I take great pleasure in that, and so does the rest of my team.
0: So, man, tell me, this based on this email, I mean, uh, the insurance company is still kind of giving you a hard time when it comes to mental disabilities because it doesn't show up on an x-ray, you know?
1: For sure, 100% they do because they keep saying that you know you have no proof, you have no medical proof. I don't need anything object. I don't need an x-ray or an MRI to show me that somebody is depressed. I need to speak with them. I need to look at what their doctors are saying, be it a family doctor, a psychologist, a psychotherapist, whoever it is that is treating them. If they're telling me that their patient, this individual, is suffering and can't work, to me that's good enough. I believe them and I'll go after the insurance company and I'll put everything up to them and if they don't relent and don't pay this individual, my client, I'm gonna go after them with everything we have and we're gonna force them to pay.
0: And with that, we are done for the evening. Thank you so much for your contribution and for tuning in. You can always carry on the conversation now. Encouraged to do so with Savan and his team, toll free, 1-855-821-5900. The email all the time is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for more information, always use it. We talked about it a short time ago, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show.